This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. It's Thursday night, September 15th, year of our Lord, 2022. Imagine being cooped up voluntarily in a studio when instead you could be here in the shadow of Jordan-Hare Stadium. A lot of our people behind us, Plainsman Park in Auburn is where we are tonight. Thank you so much for you guys being tuned in. We're jam-packed, and we've got a lot to talk about because we've got a big week three on deck. We'll be here in Jordan-Hare Stadium, as you can see behind me this Saturday, for Penn State versus Auburn. But we got a lot of potential upsets on the radar. Then last week, to be frank, and acting ignorantly, we looked over. So no more. We will not be taken off guard by that again tonight. I'm going to give you several games, give you kind of a feel on those. We're not going to do full breakdowns, but I'll have some feel for you. Also, a lot of people are throwing around that phrase, and it's a phrase that you and I have spoken a lot about. It's a phrase I don't really believe in, except for the most extreme and dire circumstances, and it is must win. And already, I'm being told that somebody... In fact, multiple somebodies were in must-win situations this weekend. We will discuss. We got the mailbag open tonight, ton of Q&A. They're watching us in Dadeville, Alabama. They're obviously watching us in Auburn, Alabama. St. Paul, Minnesota is tuned in, as is Asheville, North Carolina. Hey, remember, as is the case every game day Saturday and really earlier on Friday Night Lines, it's imperative that you're following on the socials, especially Instagram, at Late Kick Josh. Make sure you're tuned in. I'll have a lot of access. I'll have a lot of stuff that happens over here this Saturday that you would not otherwise be able to see. Appreciate you guys being with us. Let's dive into the show tonight. Upsets were the name of the game last week. We, of course, were out in Austin, Texas. We almost saw one. I didn't really tell you guys this, but sort of midway through the fourth quarter when the security powers that be in Royal Stadium started to figure Texas may actually win this. There was this army of security, temporary staffing that came out of nowhere. They were ready for a field storming out there. They were ready to try and prevent it. I don't like their odds had Texas held on to win. They didn't. But in Austin, we almost saw one. Elsewhere, we just flat out did see him. I was in the Austin airport, and I watched A&M fall. We saw a bunch of other ones. So what I want to do is I want to go down the list of games and I want to make sure that we've at least gone on the record with how we feel about this. Oklahoma, for example, plays Nebraska this Saturday. And that one's in Lincoln. At one point, maybe three weeks ago, I thought we would be there over being in Auburn because, well, we've never been to Lincoln for one. And number two, I didn't exactly foretell that they were going to fall in another country to Northwestern. They have. And then to add on, insult to injury, they've lost to Georgia Southern. So we're not there, but we'll talk about it. Oklahoma's an 11-point favorite. A lot of you may think, 
21, 24, 28. No, that's not the point spread on this. Oklahoma has not left home yet, and so they're going to Lincoln. Here's the field. You've seen it as well as I have in the past. Number one, if a guy gets hurt and you think it's going to detrimentally impact the team, the exact opposite happens because there's this galvanizing impact in the locker room. And then you've also seen, as well as I have, when a coach gets fired, and it's like this giant release, just and then everyone plays for some reason at a higher level than they had been. Well, that's a threat here, and I'm going to acknowledge that. That's why I'm saying there's an out, maybe an outside possibility of an upset. But the, the thing I think about with Nebraska is what were the problems under Scott Frost? We talked about it the other night. Couldn't for the life of me tell you what their identity is. Uh, they had no discernible improvement defensively, just a lot of that football stuff, you know, that pesky football stuff. Well, here's the question. If you're going to sell me that Oklahoma's going to fall here, you got to sell me that that stuff got corrected, that, that Mickey Joseph, God bless him, could correct that in six days. I don't know if they can. Like, I, I watched Georgia Southern just march up and down the field, had over 600 yards total offense in Lincoln. That doesn't get solved overnight. Uh, you could get an inspired effort from Nebraska and still have them fall 38 to 20. So I'm going to put about a three on this one on the upset scale, one to 10. I think Oklahoma, actually, conversely, I think Oklahoma is going to use this game to sort of send a little message. You know, they've played inferior competition at home so far. It's time for Brent Venables to go out on the road the first time, and they assert themselves in the Big 12. Here's one that a lot of you thought we were going to be present for, and it was just never in the cards, and that's Georgia at South Carolina. Uh, Reason number one, according to Stats and Info, the line on this thing's 25, depending on which book you look at right now. Uh, It could be bad. Okay, this is also an ingredient for a shock the world type upset. The problem is there's a lot of not invincibility. I don't want to use that word at all. I'm actually going to talk about Georgia a little bit later on in this vein. But there are a lot of elements about that Georgia team that travel. Bama looked vulnerable last week. I do not suspect that Georgia will look nearly as vulnerable because I just think they have their affairs in order along the lines of scrimmage and can we just be frank for a second? And I know we got a lot of folks watching in and around Columbia. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk low for a second. You guys know you have problems on the lines of scrimmage. You know that. You know that and I know that. So we're not breaking any news here tonight. At what point, at, at, at what number in the turnover column do you have to be plus? At what sort of implosion offensively for Georgia do you have to rise to? for me to see this upset happening. I'm not asking you to cover now. This is a segment about upsets. How are you going to pull the upset off? I can't find it because it was really not even as close as the score indicated last week when you went to Fayetteville. I know all about Williams-Brice Stadium. No one sings the praises of South Carolina's home environment more than me. I know what you got there. I also know that you got a team coming in there that over the span of four quarters can kind of take a crowd out of it. Uh, They're doing that whole noon kickoff thing with you guys that I love, but everyone else hates. I'm going to put this at a two. It's really hard. As much as I like the program, it's really hard for me to see it happening. Here's one we'll go a little bit higher on the upset meter on. Cal is playing Notre Dame. The line is 11. Believe it or not, Notre Dame's favored to win a football game. Uh, Noteworthy, that is, because this would be Marcus Freeman's first win as Notre Dame head coach. Freeman's winless right here. Here's going to be the talking point for those of you interested in such things. People are going to tell you, Cal, hmm, Justin Wilcox team out there, they're traveling to South Bend, and they really get it done through the air offensively. And the one thing that I can take solace in, this is them talking, not me, more casual approach, if you know what I mean. The one thing that I can take solace in is 
Notre Dame can defend the pass. Pass defense, really a strong set for Notre Dame. That's true. Here's a weakness. Scoring. Notre Dame can't score. They're really bad at scoring points. And so when you limit possessions, when you limit just the amount of dent you can put in the scoreboard, there is so much variability and potentially so much volatility and outcome. What I mean by that is, you know, if Cal has a little success through the air, but you're going to hang 38, it doesn't matter. Because 38 to 24 and 38 to 13, it's just a win for you, no matter what. But if you're only going to hang 17 for me, then guess what the difference is in 20 to 17 and 17 to 14? It's the difference between a win and a loss. Uh, I'm not going to say must win because it's not a must win. They really need this one in South Bend. I mean, they really need to stretch the margin. Just need to get the bad taste out of their mouth. I'm going to put this as a five, only because I haven't been given any kind of confidence in Notre Dame being able to get margin on a team. I mean, they got, they got bullied by Marshall last week. And I know a lot of you guys did not watch that game. I did. I went back and watched it for you. And I'm telling you, they got bullied. They got picked up, put on skates, and pushed around. And Tim O'Malley, who writes for Irish Illustrated, kind of put it very succinctly. He said, if they would have played this game further, another one or two quarters, it wouldn't have been a situation where Notre Dame caught up. It would have been a situation where Marshall stretched the lead even further. He's right. That's exactly what kind of game was unfolding up there. So this is a five. I could absolutely see that upset happening. UTSA at Texas is supremely fascinating. We were just out there last week, and of course, you've got the quarterback conundrum at this point, if you will, with Texas. Uh, Quinn Ewers is out until probably the Oklahoma game. Hudson Card's saying all the right things out there. I talked to some people around the program today who remain, what would I call it? I guess cautiously skeptical. There's not optimism. Cautiously skeptical that he can play. If he doesn't, Charles Wright, win your trivia contest on Friday night. Charles Wright is the starting quarterback if it drops to that level on the depth chart for Texas. UTSA, really, really good on third down so far. Uh, that is actually how they are almost beating Houston. It's how they did beat Army. Really, really good on third down. Here's what I'm thinking about. While all the attention is going to be on the Texas quarterback situation, it is imperative that defense steps up and wins the game for Texas because you got to buy time. Eventually, you're going to get your quarterback room right, and they will be, by what I watched last week, a Big 12 championship caliber team. Doesn't matter if you got multiple losses already on the resume. Now, this is not a conference game, very much an in-state game, but it's not a conference game. My point is, if you got to win the thing 19 to 10 and have defense make multiple stops, then win the thing 19 to 10 and have defense make multiple stops. They put Bama in a blender last week. And so if they were able to do that against Alabama, I'm going to say they should be able to do it against UTSA. And they've known, they've known since the sunset on Saturday last week, that's probably how they're going to have to win this game upcoming. I'm going to put this at a five and a half. Let's go five and a half, only because of the quarterback situation. And UTSA is coming in their prime. You're talking about a Super Bowl there. So five and a half. I think Texas defensively can win the game, though. The last one that I'm looking at, and this one, circling it right now for my own personal amusement, because it could very much have every given Saturday tour implications riding on it. Tulane is at Kansas State. Now, they don't really care about that in Manhattan, Kansas. And I'm going to tell you why. Because they play Oklahoma next week. They go to Norman next week. They open conference play, and everyone's attention, aside from Oklahoma in the Big 12, which we're going to talk about in a second, is who else, whomst else amongst us, could win this conference? Well, K-State is everyone's sleeper. 
what happens if they drop a game before they go into Oklahoma? That brings us to this Saturday. Tulane's not a four or five touchdown dog in this. Tulane is a 14 point dog. Crazier things have happened in the past six days, friends. And so I'm putting this one at a six. Now, I will say this as good as Tulane's looked in the stat sheet, they certainly have not had that run defense flexed like it's about to against Deuce Vaughn, which gives me a little comfort. You know, let me back the upset meter down to about a four. Because as I'm talking it out with you, as is often the case, my mind is changing. There's a lot more consistency to be had if I play this thing out 100 times in having the run game Kansas State does. And I also don't think that we're so far into this era of people believing in Kansas State again that anything about the program has gotten complacent or anything has developed a look-ahead nature to it. And so I actually do think that K-State's going to be able to take care of business. What I don't want you to do is I don't want you to turn this on and see them win 31-23 to and say, oh, wow. Well, that's disappointing. It's not disappointing. Tulane's a pretty good team. Uh, the line's 14. Know your point spreads, kids. It's what they taught me in middle school. Know your point spreads because that provides the context and the backdrop, the proper one, for what you're seeing on Saturdays. I'm going to put this at a four. We're going to keep an eye on it. The highest level we rose to here was a five with Notre Dame, and I'm really keeping an eye on that one. But look, we didn't go anywhere past like a two last week on the upset meter, and I was made a fool of. I didn't enjoy it. I had multiple apologies to issue, and I, I'm not apologizing this Sunday night regardless of what happens, so take that for what it is. Our friends at Academy Sports and Outdoors came through for us from the beginning, and then we recently entered into an exclusive partnership with them. It is now Late Kick brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors. I've got in my car, not even a rental. I hope, I hope management is listening. I drove my own car down here. I have gotten multiple Academy gift cards to hand out to the masses here in Auburn this week. It's all thanks to our exclusive partnership with Academy. There's a lot, of, a lot of celebrating. You know, the thing about folks at Auburn and the thing about folks around the world, big game day included, they love free stuff. They will be your friend until the end. As long as you promise them free stuff, we're going to have it for them this weekend. But they've got us taken care of. Look at this nice fancy setup. They send us out on the road. They, they basically, they take the blanks that we put on our wish list, and they say, you don't even have to wait until Christmas. And I'm going to flip that right back around since I don't have a prepared ad read tonight. There's a lot on your wish list. There's a lot on your needs list. A lot of people are going to be camped out tailgating here this weekend. You're going to have a canopy anyway. Why not make it from Academy Sports and Outdoors? You're going to have those fold-out lawn chairs. Why not make it from Academy Sports and Outdoors? You've got drinks already. You need them to be cool. Why not get that igloo from Academy Sports and Outdoors? You've got a grill, guys. You've got to eat. They got them for you at Academy Sports and Outdoors. And look, they've got our back. So if you've got our back as well, it's just, it's mutual. It's a perfect little Venn diagram overlap. Academy Sports and Outdoors. And if you can't get there in person, academy.com has your hookup for all of your outdoor sporting goods needs. And if you're like us, just your needs in life. We thank them so much. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, a lot of Q&A today. Uh, I have had so many of you ask me, where did the Late Kick Extra podcast go? I didn't think you'd notice, full disclosure. 
I thought once we got to the season, three shows per week would be enough. Apparently not. So I'm bringing it back in due time. As for tonight, I thought I would mix in a little element of the Late Kick Extra podcast, and that's basically you get to run the show. So I put it out earlier today on Twitter. Let's dive into the mailbag. The first question was about the Nebraska job opening and who we're looking at as candidates. And I'll talk about some candidates in a second. But look, we're still really early in the process. I will tell you this. I talked to a coach this week who I know is on the wish list for Nebraska. Now, of course, he himself has not spoken to them because he himself is coaching for a major program right now. But his representation via back channels is. It's always a whisper campaign when you get to the early stages of a coaching search. But my point is, there are guys involved in this coaching search. There are names on Nebraska's radar. I know because I'm talking about one you'd never guess in a million years. That's the way it always goes. So just understand any list, like the one I had Jesse give me right here, any list that you have is being put out there for a very intentional purpose. And then you got folks like me who talk about these names, but I'm not going to give you those names because I want to keep getting information fed to me. Here's what I think Nebraska needs, regardless of who they hire. And I got a bunch of names that I think would be very viable candidates. I just want a guy who not only can take the wheel, I want a guy who can build the ship. If you were going to take over at Georgia because Kirby Smart was retiring tomorrow, I don't need you to be a builder. Ryan Day did not need to be a builder. Lincoln Riley, when he took over at Oklahoma, didn't need to be a builder. This is many things at Nebraska. What it is not is Georgia, Ohio State, or Oklahoma. And so they're going to need a builder. You can't tell me they're identityless. You can't tell me you got culture issues, but then expect a guy to come in and no, just, he'll just pick up where the other guy left off. The other guy's out the door for a reason. You didn't even wait three and a half weeks and save yourself seven and a half million dollars. That's a lot of money in West Central Georgia and East Alabama, but you didn't. So you need to find a guy who can build it all the way from the ground up. Now, some of the names out there, uh, I want to again stress this is not my list. Producer Jesse sent this to me. I said, Jesse, give me some names. He said, Matt Campbell, out of the question for obvious reasons. Stay away from Matt Campbell. Next thing, Luke Fickle would be a huge get. And I'm going to tell you, I, I'm not going to say I don't think they can get him. I think it's unlikely, only because I think Luke Fickle, aside from maybe one or two jobs in the country, is where he would want to be. I don't think he'd want to uproot his family to go to Nebraska. It's not against Nebraska. It's nothing against them. I just He's about to be in the Big 12. And he's already got his program at Cincinnati operating at an optimum level. I've seen him in person already this year, and I don't know that there's necessarily a lot to gain for him moving, which is a new age philosophy because back in the day, of course, it would be a no-brainer. If you're at Cincinnati and Nebraska offers you first thing smoking out of there, you take it. Well, that's not where we are anymore. Uh, Mark Stoops, no, no, no. He may have the best job in the country. He's got an SEC salary. He's got SEC support, but he's got reasonable expectations around his program. No, in no circumstances do you go from Kentucky to Nebraska in today's college football. Bill O'Brien at Alabama, that's what you want. I'm going to leave it at that, if that's what you want. Uh, Gary Patterson, uh, now that the week's over, I'll tell you guys this. So I was in the Texas facility last week, Friday afternoon. And it was right after the team and the coaching staff had already gone off to the team hotel. So I'm just walking the hallways, a couple of our a couple of our viewers there hanging out with me on the Texas staff, and I'm walking down the hallway, and there's one dude still grinding away at his desk, and he's working with the lights off in his office like a pure psychopath. I work that way too, so 
there was a kinship immediately. The guy was Gary Patterson, who some people don't even know is at Texas until last week. Gary Patterson's in there just grinding away, and that's a hallmark of Alabama. When you're at Alabama, you walk down the hallway, you see former head coaches you forgot existed, and Nick Saban's just got them stowed away. Well, Sark's got that with Gary Patterson at Texas. I absolutely think Gary Patterson will be a head coach again. I would be thrilled if I were a Nebraska fan to get Gary Patterson. He has built it from the ground up. He does have a proven track record. And what I think is guys like him, these little year-off sabbaticals, they're so valuable because not only is he going to sit in Austin, Texas and game plan for Alabama, what he gets to do is he doesn't leave the game. He just gets to step out of the box for a little bit and observe the game. You get to exchange ideas. He gets to travel. He gets to meet with other coaching staffs. And all of a sudden, you know, you add another layer to your coaching personality. And I think he'll be all the better for it. I would absolutely be on board with him. Urban Meyer, don't think it'll happen. Lance Leopold, dynamite hire. If you can pull it off, dynamite hire. Uh, Mickey Joseph, he's the interim. So we're about to see him kind of on the job, not training, but kind of an on-the-job interview here. What can Nebraska be, though? You know, that's the question, and it was the follow-up, actually, that we had today. What can Nebraska be? Guys, there's a lot of room. You know, there's a lot of real estate between college football playoff contender and trash program, you know? And sometimes when I do radio hits and sometimes when I'm talking to, not you guys, but some folks, they don't recognize and appreciate that vast real estate, you know, kind of the vast middle ground of college football. Nebraska could be a very solid program. Like, what is Iowa State? What is Iowa? What is Wisconsin? What are those programs? Well, they're not, they're not perennial playoff contenders. They're not Georgia or Bama, but they're not trash. So Nebraska can be at the least that. That's what they can be. Now, if you want to come at me and you want to argue, no, 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 no. It can be so much more. You're shortchanging us. They could every bit be in the West what Ohio State is in the East. I don't believe that. You're welcome to prove me wrong. I don't believe that. Look, you can have a program you can be proud of, and, and I'll just end it with this. They can be a whole heck of a lot more than they are right now. That's the most important thing to hammer home. Next question. <laughs> this one's fun. Let me take a little swig of water here. So when I started the show tonight, I mentioned this phrase, must win, and a lot of people are claiming that our good pal in College Station, Jimbo Fisher, is in a must-win situation. Why? Well, because he lost last week against App State. Stunning, I know. Uh, More stunning than the final score was the box score. Okay, if they were minus five turnovers, I get how they could lose as a 17- or 18-point dog. But, man, 82-38 to plays run advantage for App State is a number just burned in my head for the rest of eternity. I don't think he's in a must-win situation because what does must-win mean? you got to define what must-win means. To me, must-win means if you do not win the game, you are fired the next day. Or, or either you are in a terminal situation when it comes to your employment, and it's just a matter of time. Like Scott Frost was in a must-win situation last week, and he didn't, and he got fired the next day. Dude, Jimbo Fisher's not getting fired if they lose Saturday. He's, he's just not. They haven't even entered conference play yet. Now, what I will tell you is kind of like I was talking about a second ago. It's the same metaphor. It's just a different example. There is a wide expanse of territory between safe and fired. It's not all one. It's not all the other. See, Jimbo Fisher, is he's, he went from safe. If he loses this Saturday, he will have gone from safe to 
somewhere in that middle ground. He will not be in danger of losing his job imminently. That's just not, it's not realistic when you consider the investment that they've put in him. It's not realistic when you consider the class they just brought in. Now, having said all that, the question was, what could put him on the hot seat? What could put him on the hot seat is not a certain record this year. Let me paint you two scenarios to tell you what I mean. Let's say, scenario A, they go 7-5. and five. They lose Saturday. They lose to Bama. They lose to LSU. They go 7-5. and five. But the locker room's fully bought in. They just weren't a good team. That's scenario A. Scenario B is they go 8-4. and four. Better record, but the locker room is cancerous, totally toxic, and you've got infighting, and you've got all sorts of off-the-field drama. Which scenario would you like? Which scenario is more likely to cost a man his job? I would argue the better record, but the worse internal dynamic. So it's not always about what, what number has to be in the loss column for this guy to be in trouble. It's a lot more than that. And so internally, this is why I keep talking about that true freshman class and why I keep talking about you know, how they're going to chart the future for themselves here. People have lost games before. Coaches have lost games before. Uh, Jimbo Fisher's not done losing at Texas A&M. The question is, does he keep it on the rails behind the scenes? Consequences of success is a phrase I throw out a lot on this show, and they have not had the on-field success yet. But when you start recruiting like they have, you could start dealing with a set of issues that only a very few programs in America are even in position to deal with. And, and the thing about it is, in irony, the only way you get to deal with those issues is if you do something really, really well at a high level. So the one other thing that I want to talk about with Jimbo, and it sounds counter, kind of counterintuitive based on what I just said, the one thing and, and the reason I didn't pull any punches with him the other night, number one, he's grown up and can handle it. Number two, there's a temptation to talk about this guy like he's still building something, like he's still in his first or second year. Billy Napier's in his first year. Okay, Josh Heupel is in his second year at Tennessee. Totally reasonable to talk about those guys as still being in ascension mode. This is Jimbo's fifth year, man. There is no give him time to build. When you get paid what he's paid, when you have the kind of support and investment he has, this is why you have not heard me bash Texas A&M fans. You're right. And you're justified in your high expectation level because when he came there, he told you what he needed from you, both the fan base, the donor base, the university. And where have you told him? No, you haven't told him no anywhere. So if you give, 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 it's totally reasonable for you to expect a return on your investment. And guys, we're not not talking about an immediate national championship, but man, 10 wins would be nice. Like going to Atlanta every once in a while would be nice. So they've got a big game this Saturday. We broke it down the other day. It's got really good traffic already. If Miami goes in there and beats them, while I don't think Jimbo Fisher's fired or anything like that, I would highly recommend catching the Sunday show. I recommend it regardless. Uh, next question here. I appreciate you guys being tuned in live, by the way. Make sure you uh, perform the simple task of liking the video and subscribing to the channel. The Big 12's wide open. How wide open is it? That was the question. So, the Big 12, how wide open is it? Well, the first thing we've got to see, and we're going to watch it Saturday, is we've got to see Oklahoma get put in a less favorable position. Oklahoma's going to Nebraska. I think it's a game they'll win, but at the very least, they'll be made to feel uncomfortable. They'll have to be in a road locker room. They'll have to put on those road whites, and they'll have to go 
into a place where you know people would love to overturn the bus. I just want to see them on the road, and then I want to see where their flaws are because they've got them just like every other team has them. We have not been able to see any water pressure put against those cracks in that dam yet. Can Nebraska do it? I don't know. That's the first thing. The second thing is Oklahoma State. Ditto for them. We got to see them, and we got to see them in a pressure situation. The Texas situation's unique. We're talking about a Big 12 contender here. They haven't played a conference game yet. So last week, lose a game to Alabama, could still end up being one of the best teams in the country in Alabama. So that, that's not a knock. You've got the unique quarterback situation there right now. So we've got to wait. But, you know, if we get Quinn Ewers back, and he is first quarter versus Alabama Quinn Ewers, do you know of any team combined with that defense they have now at Texas? It's magically a thing again. Do you know of any team that's definitively better than them in the Big 12? Hold that thought. Baylor, by way of them going to Provo, Utah last week and losing a game after some of you had already gone to sleep, they're going to be afforded the opportunity to just lurk. They're off your radar, but they're still spotless in conference play, and so they're going to be able to just sneak around, not on anyone's radar except ours because we're a Baylor show. I think Baylor's still right in the thick of this thing, so don't forget about them. Uh, Kansas State, get by Tulane this week, even though it's not a conference game. Next week will start to tell the tale on Kansas State. Iowa State, I don't know if you realize this, uh, they accomplished something they haven't done in over half a decade last week. And even though they only had to score 10 points to do it, a first to double-digit special there in the Iowa versus Iowa State rivalry game, which I went to a year too early, Iowa State has a lot of that Baylor quality to them. You expected them, excuse me, we expected them to do big things last year. They let us down. Now everyone's sold, and everyone's not paying attention anymore. Still a really good team. Could be upgraded at some positions you didn't expect them to be upgraded at. So yeah, the Big 12 is wide open. I'm very excited to watch at these next couple of weeks, actually. We'll really start to write the story of the Big 12 in the year of our Lord, 2022. Let's roll on. Next question here. Florida, Tennessee. Florida, Tennessee play next week. Some of you are 16 years old. You're totally unaware this is one of the biggest rivalries in college football. Listen to you laugh. I'm going to wait a second because I know you're laughing. I, I kid you not. I kid you guys, I kid you guys not. There, there was a time where you got your little magnet schedule or you got your little helmet grid schedule in August, and you said, let's see, when do Florida and Tennessee play? Really big game. The reason I'm speaking about it in that kind of term because I am very romantic about this sport. And secondly, this is going to be a ranked versus ranked matchup unless disaster strikes Saturday when these teams play next week. So the question we got was, here it is again. I, I didn't even realize we had the phrase in here twice. The question is, is Florida, Tennessee a must win for Billy Napier? No. No, it's not a must win for Billy Napier. Again, let's reiterate how we interpret must win around this show. Must win equals you lose, you're fired. Billy Napier's been at Florida about 15 minutes. He's not getting fired if they lose on the road as an underdog in Neyland Stadium. He already beat Utah in week one. They had a close loss against Connecticut. Well, they're that close, but they lost. They're one and one so far. Everybody in Gainesville, you offered that proposition in August, would take a one and one start. They go to Neyland next week. They lose 27 to 17. What, your, your torch and pitchforking, Billy Napier, because he's, he's a two-loss coach already in year one. And by the way, let me remind you what that year one is for. It's because the other guy wasn't doing a good enough job. 
and you got rid of him. Then you brought the new guy in and you told him, overturn it. So you fire him while he's overturning it. You, you put a must-win sticker on a, on a game this early in the season in year one when he's overturning it. No. I'll ask you this. I forgot who asked this question, but I'm going to hit you with a counter. I'm going to answer your question with a question. I'm going to stroke my chin. If it's a must-win for Billy Napier, why isn't it a must-win for Tennessee? That's year two up there. That's Josh Heupel in year two. I mean, Napier, bless his heart, as Meemaw would say, he's down there in year one in Gainesville. So why isn't a must-win for uh, Florida? Got to be a must-win for Tennessee, right? I don't use the phrasing because I think you and I both know, even you who asked this question, I think you know he loses this game. What they're going to do is they're going to have a post-game press conference, and he's going to, in a very monotone fashion, talk about how they need to get better, they will get better, they're going to go recruit to get better. They're going to fly back to Gainesville. They're going to dust themselves off and get right back at it six days later. That's what will happen, and that's all that will happen if Florida loses. No, it's not a must-win. I feel like we just did the game preview a week early, but no, it's not a must-win. I think we got uh, one more question here. Yeah, we got one more question. Uh, then I'm going to add another pick on the Ramen Noodle Express, and then, I don't know, we're going to enjoy whatever Auburn has to offer tonight. We had a question about national brands and big deals. And the question was, why do people like Tennessee and Nebraska still feel like they're a national brand when they haven't won in a while? And there is is such a difference in being in the top 10 and being nationally relevant. There is a lot of equity that was built up a long time ago that makes you a national brand. You can suck and be a national brand. Brand building is decades over decades. For instance, Say it louder. Notre Dame. Notre Dame's winless right now. Notre Dame is a national brand. Notre Dame could go 0-12 this year. Notre Dame would still be a national brand. Why is that? Because how many of you know Newt Rockney? No, look at the head shake. But there was a guy back when they still played in black and white, and his name was Newt Rockney, and he did big things. Eric Parsegian did big things. Frank Leahy did big things. And so Notre Dame will matter for a long time, no matter what they do on the field present day. Tennessee for a long time, was a national power. Tennessee-Alabama used to be the biggest rivalry game in this conference, this conference being the SEC, because we're parked in Lee County, Alabama tonight. That's the reason. Like if I were, I'll give you an example. When we were out at Elite 11, and we packed up our stuff, and we go through LAX, and we're about to fly home. Cincinnati made the playoff last year, right? If I were to take a Tennessee logo, and I take a Cincinnati Bearcat logo, and I walk through LAX, which one gets recognized more? And the answer is Tennessee, 10 to 1, gets recognized more. But they're, they're, they've, been, they've been awful on the field. Been nothing to write home about on the field. So how is that? I, I would venture to think Nebraska is probably even still a more recognizable logo than some of your, I don't want to say Johnny come lately, but they are fresh blood. They are new money at the table. Guys, brand building is, is totally different. It is not correlated to modern-day success on the field. Now, here's what you can't do. What you can't do is just be awful in the abyss, as our buddy J.C. Sherbert would say, for 40 years. That's how you erase all that equity you built up. But look, brand building and credibility, if you build it over decades, but then you tell me uh, a couple of years of ineptitude on the field, that's enough to erase it. Well, it really wasn't worth that much, you know? And so I look at the Tennessee logo, and I'm also able to look at them be subpar on the field for a little bit, and I'm still able to say, I respect what that thing represents. 
even though it might not be that right now. Uh, all right, let's let's tack this on. I got a game. I did not give this to you the other night, but I got a game that we need to get to. So Ramen Noodle Express um, is going to get hot, and that's not a prediction. I can't guarantee it for legal reasons. I strongly suspect that we're going to get hot. Here's what we're already on this week. We're on Purdue minus one and a half. They're at Syracuse. Akron, go Zips, plus 47 and a half at Tennessee. We like Texas Tech plus 10 against NC State. Michigan State is going all the way to Washington. We're taking them plus three and a half. We think they beat Washington outright. Here's the new one we're tacking on tonight. Liberty, plus 16 and a half. We really like them. And also, I didn't write it down, but I just remembered. Director Collin didn't even have to tell me in my ear. Uh, we're on Georgia Tech plus 16 and a half as well. Yeah, that's right. We are going to, we're going to put our money that we had to earn, and we're going to put it on Georgia Tech to do some things in a football game for us. So Purdue minus one and a half, Akron plus 47 and a half, Texas Tech plus 10, Michigan State plus three and a half, Georgia Tech plus 16 and a half, and then we are on Liberty plus 16 and a half. Look, this is the first time that we've taken the show on the road. And because I had not doubts, big game Dan and Greg and Nick are here. So I didn't have doubts. I had questions about the technical capacity we had. I did not tell people where we were going to be. I just said we're going to be in Auburn. And so I told Big Game Day, we may have a person there. We may have 50 there. I don't know who's going to show up. A lot of our people showed up. And I thank you. I would love to know how you knew where we were, but I thank you a whole lot. Appreciate you guys sincerely. So take a look at this. If you're, if you're back at home, because this is not the last time we're taking the show on the road, uh, management has come through for us in a big way. And so you, this is really ultimately your doing. You know, some of you have showed up, hundreds of thousands of you make this possible. So look, we really appreciate it because it wasn't too long ago that I was about 40 minutes to the east of here holding a, a much earlier iJosh in my hand and doing this in a local news building. So, hey, boost what a funk it. Look how far we've come. I appreciate you guys, though. We've got uh, producer Jesse and director Colin all the way back in Nashville. We got Nick. We got Big Game. Then we got Greg here and about half of our Pate State senior class behind me. I appreciate you guys watching. Make sure you like the video and subscribe to the channel on the way out. We will see you at Jordan-Hare Stadium this Saturday. Take care and God bless.